we are going to uh, jump in on the next episode of this fine, fabulous podcast, uh, which is, the premise is, uh, where'd we go? Um, encryption is ruining, ruining network security. I know I said visibility originally, but I actually want to expand that to be security. Um, and the idea is, is that because we're encrypting all of our traffic and we're doing things with TLS 1.3 where you can't really do man-in-the-middle attacks, our traditional tool sets have not adapted to that yet. And, yeah, I mean, there's a, a big political aspect to this because, you know, the government agencies want to get access to iMessages and things like that. So we can take this in a bunch of different ways, but we want to try to keep it to about 20 minutes. So... We'll go ahead and get started there. You guys, oh, Peter was actually on the last podcast, but you guys all heard that one. So it's kind of, that was a pretty good episode. You know, nobody went overly long, major points. We jumped in on top of each other a couple of times, but that's to be expected. Just back off, use TCP, you know, and just back everything off and start again. Make sense? Use what? TCP? Yeah, yeah. I know it's an, it's an antiquated protocol that nobody uses anymore because thank you, Google. But yeah, the back off timer built into it. All right, so I'll do the intro. Um, I will turn it to, let's go with uh, Peter first, Tom, Tom, then Chris. Just one minute. I need to change batteries. Okay, go ahead and do that. Um, we'll turn it to Chris, uh, Peter, and then Chris, and then Jasper for the introductions. And then uh, I will introduce the premise and then we'll get to the debate, and then we should be wrapped up before 2 o'clock Pacific. Sound like a plan? Yep. Awesome. Well, I, now's the time we need to have the podcast when we can't hear Peter. <laughs> I'm, I'm playing. I love you guys a lot. Yes, and I'm back with new batteries. They, they only last for like one hour on my receiver for my wireless lapel microphone. It's... Not long. Yeah. Uh, these, <laughs> I remember playing Game Boy, and it's like, oh, you're going to get about 50 minutes of battery life out of that thing. Yeah. it's. So I've already changed like eight or ten pen lights sets already. My desk <laughs> is full of pen lights now. All right. Let's go ahead and get started. I'll introduce the premise. Then we'll go uh, Peter, Chris, Jasper. Uh, remember, name, Twitter handle, website. And then um, we'll get going from there. Sound like plan? Sure. Yep. All right. Hello, and welcome to the on-premise IT roundtable, the only podcast that dares to be both on topic and on location. My name is Tom Hollingsworth, and I'm a part of Gestalt IT. And each episode, we bring you some of the luminaries in various technology areas, such as networking, security, wireless, and storage, to debate a premise or a hot topic in IT. And give a little perspective and background on things. Um, I'd like to take a moment for our guests today to introduce themselves, and then we'll jump into the premise of today's episode. So, Peter, you want to go ahead and start? Yes, my name is Peter Nefkens. I'm a Dutch consultant. You can find me on Twitter with at PJNF uh, or on my website, nefkens.net. All right. Chris? Yeah, my name is Chris Grundeman. You can find me at Chris Grundeman on Twitter or chrisgrundeman.com on, uh, online. All right. And Jasper? Hi, I'm Jasper Rongertz. I'm uh, the Principal Network Security Specialist at GData Advanced Analytics in Germany, and my Twitter handle is at PacketJ, and my blog is to be found at blog.packet-foo.com. All right. Now, thank you all for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Uh, let's jump into the premise. 
we remember a time when the internet was free and wild and nothing was encrypted and you could pretty much sniff any packet that you wanted with Wireshark and find out all the dirty little details. But that's not the world we live in today. With the advent of things like SSL and TLS and all other manner of encryption, we can pretty much hide everything, whether it's a transaction with your bank account or even just checking your Facebook photos. And that's great for most everybody. The network analytics and security teams, however, are probably pulling their hair out because a lot of the tools that they have been using for years don't work so well when all of the traffic looks like garbage. And so is it safe to say that encryption is ruining security? Let's debate this premise. Now, Chris, what do you think about this? Because you know, have, having someone with a little bit of a networking background, I mean, I can remember when someone first told me, oh yeah, we can decrypt all of your traffic on the firewall using the special man in the middle um, tool. And uh, yeah, we can see everything that people are going to and we can block all their traffic. And my first thought was, eek, I'm never using the corporate network again. You know, is encryption a, a bad thing from the perspective of the security folks? Because we're hiding stuff? Yeah, well, I mean, I think the first thing to remember is, is the distinction between privacy and security, uh, which is one that, that often goes a little bit under the cover. Um, and, and I think that's a really good place to start, right? And so I think as individuals, we both should demand and, and probably deserve uh, privacy as, as a right. And so there's that. And then there's the tension with a you know, corporation who, whether you're a you know, potentially a customer, but definitely a contractor or an employee, where they want to be able to understand what you're doing on their network and with their applications. And so there's definitely a tension there. Now, has it ruined security? Uh, I don't think so yet. Um, I would almost say hopefully, uh, I think because that privacy is, is something that I think, as I said, is, is, is a right and is something we need to demand for uh, in our online transactions. Now, the, where, where that breaks down is when you are doing something on behalf of a company that is paying you to do it, uh, there's a little bit of a different set of rules, right? Uh, just like you can do things in your own home, in your bedroom, in your bathroom that you wouldn't do at your desk at work or, you know, in the, in the public restrooms at work. And so I think we need to draw that distinction. And I think that's really the, the crux of this matter, which is that we need to find ways to uh, allow people to have personal privacy, but able to be able to be enforced through corporate security. That's a fair point to make. And, and you're absolutely right. There are definitely things that I would do in my bathroom. For instance, brushing my teeth. I would never do that at, in the bathroom at work. Um, but, you know, that's, that's one of the things that we are seeing a lot of discussion about now is, you know, the breaking encrypted communications versus the fact that there is no right to privacy in certain things. For example, Slack. If you're the administrator of a Slack team, you can see a lot, even things that people think are private. Whereas if I use iMessage, nobody can see that, including the people who created the protocol. And they did that on purpose. They, they do not want to have any way of seeing anything that happens so that they can never be compelled to show what they know. And you know, is that the solution that you know, we need to create a system that's essentially a black box? Once we start it, we can't do anything about it. And that's how we know it's safe and secure. And what's that gonna do to the security teams? I mean, Jasper, you're a security analyst. I mean, you do this stuff for a, a daily living. Does the idea of a whole bunch of encrypted traffic that nobody can decrypt give you hives? Not really hives. Um, it is. It makes the job a lot harder because um, I've been sitting on the consoles in security operation centers quite a lot, and um, you always try to figure out 
what did happen? Uh, why this, did this alert come up? And it's often very hard to investigate if um, all the communication that is happening is encrypted. Um, mostly HTTPS, of course, because that's what users do. They, they serve the web and they do something. But um, in earlier times, you could tell, oh, somebody is downloading an executable. Let's grab that from the packets, uh, see what it does. Um, today, this is not that easy anymore, especially with Let's Encrypt um, encrypting everything um, without uh, verifying the, the owners of the web pages, which makes it a lot easier to put up a website that is hosting malicious stuff. Um, still, I think we can do quite a few things, but it got a lot harder and um, still i think especially living in germany where we have like a very high regard for data privacy protection um there's a balance we need to find between that and uh, protecting the company that's a good point and, and i love the fact that you have a slightly different perspective you know you and peter both live in the eu and and chris and i both live in the united states and and the differences between the to the way that both of those people look at privacy is very very markedly different i mean you know germany has always had a very staunch stance on privacy and security and encryption and things like that whereas in the us it seems like every other month some member of the government is trying to compel a company to release back doors so that the intelligence services can, you know, get easy access to communications and things like that. And, and it feels like we're constantly fighting, but also losing ground uh, on that. Now, Peter, you know, your perspective as, as someone who does a lot of security stuff, do you feel like the, the, the glut of encrypted traffic is making your job difficult or, or even impossible to do? Uh, yes, because it's not encryption itself, it's the push from a couple of major tech companies like Google and pushing for a new encryption standard, which means that you cannot see to which server somebody is connecting. And we have to be aware that if, as soon as you, uh, what you told like uh, encryption in a black box end to end, which is good for your privacy, and I'm a very privacy sensitive person, so yes, I agree with that, but the hackers, the malware, it, it's a complete market, it's commercial they will use those same techniques and that will actually ruin your network security because it has become a black box and from a network security perspective i cannot use the network and the visibility anymore to detect dot malware and what's happening on the network because it's all binary protocol now it's all encrypted i cannot see except that it's going to an amazon cloud or or google cloud ip address and i don't know what's running behind it and that makes it basically that's going to ruin my network security and, so, and that kind of, oh, go ahead. I was going to jump in because I think Peter makes a really good point that, you know, the, the, the potential layers of obfuscation that come from privacy through encryption can be used by bad actors. Uh, the downside or the other side of that coin is that any kind of uh, backdoor or, or information that could be provided to a corporation or a government or any other institution can also be used by bad actors, uh, as I think you alluded to, right? So if, if we do build in ways to break encryption in order to allow companies or security analysts to see what's going on, then that also allows bad actors in, just like they could use the obfuscation techniques. So there's a, it's a really fine line there. Um, and, and I think, you know, it's been a few years, but I think we need to remember back to, uh, you know, Edward Snowden and, and, and the massive global, uh, surveillance system that the US was trying to build at that time. Um, and I remember the threat that we're under when we're talking about this push and pull between privacy and security. 
Yeah, yeah and um, I also have uh, a little point here that um, usually if you go for encryption, um, what becomes more important is metadata. So um, if you can't look into the encrypted tunnel, you look at the metadata. And one of the metadata that we use a lot is DNS. Uh, now, DNS is uh, becoming encrypted too, which is in itself not a bad thing, um, as long as the queries go, are going to my company DNS servers and I can basically look inside the servers at what is happening. But if um, Mozilla and others are making browsers that connect to the outside world, via HTTPS, which I cannot distinguish between, is this a DNS thing or is this a web page content? Then it gets very hard to protect the networks against malicious domains and stuff like this because I just don't see it anymore. The metadata angle uh, is lost in, in a way for this kind of thing. And the metadata conversation is one that's actually really fascinating because we've seen that a lot in, in other security type discussions where metadata can be just as important as anything else. Kind of to jump on what you said, Jasper, if, uh, if all the DNS is encrypted and we see notifications that suddenly I change the DNS server on my workstation and I open up a browser that I don't normally use and then I close it 30 minutes later and I erase my internet history and then I switch my DNS back, I'm not saying that you did something bad. But I'm saying that it looks bad that you did something. So maybe the solution to this problem is that tools need to stop focusing on the need to disassemble packets and look at the payloads and instead examine the metadata and provide context around the behavior of the user or the software program or something like that. Is that valid? Can we kind of for lack of a better term, do an end run around encryption, not by looking at what they've done, but looking at how they're doing it. I, I think it would be a combination because the encryption, higher level encryption, becoming black boxes, you cannot rely on the network alone. And that's exactly what you said, Tom. It's about adding what's be happening on that endpoint. You need to get visibility on that endpoint and use that metadata of what's happening, what process is running, hey, that process is trying to get escalator privileges. It's connecting to an IP port instead of a DNS name. And it's not even on an HTTP port. So something icky might be going on. That metadata needs to be tied together with the network, but the network security is getting less important, in my opinion, compared to the endpoint protection and security based from the endpoint behavior. Absolutely. I mean, when it comes to the contents of the packets, uh, we cannot use them m much longer. Um, what we could do is uh, looking at, as Tom already said, um, how are they communicating? So if I see an HTTPS connection, usually what I see is I see a couple of bytes going out, which is the request, which is usually really short, and then the content comes in, which is a big download. So if I see that in a re reverse direction, like a lot of stuff going out, but not much coming in, that raises an eyebrow for me. This is something that I'm looking at when I'm investigating because usually uploads don't happen that much um, from my network to the outside world, but the other way around. But this is much more complicated to build the knowledge and to, to find the patterns and, and find out what is a good sign that something is strange than just looking at packets and seeing, oh, it's inexecutable and it's bad. So it's, it requires more knowledge about everything. And I think those are really interesting points. And, and it takes me to a place which is slightly different than what we've been talking about, which is just, you know, how do you get past this? Because uh, as I said, I mean, I think I've made it clear. I, I believe that the greater and greater encryption and more privacy for individuals uh, is a goal we should be pursuing. 
However, I think we also need to be able to balance that with security for um, institutions, corporations, governments uh, on the other side. So I wonder if, you know, is, is somehow this the thing that really drives something like VDI or, or a more end-to-end -end approach of applications and things, instead of trying to secure a, a network that was maybe within a building in the past and now is no longer, you've got a bunch of remote users and remote sites and people are doing things on the cloud, which means internet connectivity. I mean, maybe what you do is you create a environment on a person's device that connects them to corporate assets. And in that, they don't browse Facebook and they don't you know, send emails to grandma and they only use corporate assets. And in that, you can inspect all the traffic you want. And outside of that environment, you encrypt it all end to end and no one sees a thing because that's your private communication. Oh, Chris, that's actually a good point that you're touching there because actually you're starting to refer to a perimeterless solution. And that basically brings me to zero trust. And we're still not there. There are not that many technologies. But it's least privileged access and not only secure the workforce and your workloads and the workspace. And VDI could be one of those solutions because then you, it's easier to secure that workstation. Yeah, here in uh, Germany, we have the problem that if you're allowed to use the computer at work for private stuff, which means emails and, and surfing, then it's very hard to inspect traffic. You cannot break it up because it could be something personal. Um, in companies that doesn't allow it, where they have a written um, statement that you cannot use the computer for private stuff, they can invest, they can break open encryption and everything without getting into trouble. And what they often do is they tell their employees, you cannot use it for private stuff, but if they do, they don't, they don't investigate. So everybody knows it will be broken, broken open and you're fine with it, but you don't get into the legal trouble of, uh, well, looking at people's private emails on purpose. Yeah, basically we told you that we were going to use this for, you were supposed to use this for work purposes. And if you don't, that's not on us, that's on you. And, and even that is a little bit of a balance. Uh, it's a similar situation here in Holland that uh, even on a corporate device, I'm allowed to use it for private use, but, I but the company needs to have me sign an acceptable use policy that explains that they can investigate if there is a lead, but only then. It's not allowed to do outbound SSL decryption uh, per default mm -hmm. in 99.9% .9 of the companies. Yeah, and I think that brings us back to the endpoint uh, detection capabilities because um, I've looked at so much network traffic in the last 10 years and I think the findings are not as great as they could have been. Um, or as I expected them to be, they, they're often disappointing because it's just too much. It's too much stuff and um, it's very hard to tell where the bad stuff is happening. So the signal to noise ratio is really not that great. Um, so I, I really think that we will probably have to go more on the endpoint because the endpoint knows more about what is going on. And I've seen solutions where they're building um, behavioral graphs on the endpoint saying, if this process does this and this process does that, and then I see an outgoing connection here, and then I see a file appearing in the temp folder, and that drops another file here. Um, this is not what a normal user does. And that is something that you just can't tell from the network, but you can tell it from the endpoint. And that's fair. And that's one of the things that we, you know, we've tried to look at for years when we look at behavior-based analytics on the host or, you know, even the, the raft of things that we're starting to see now, like cloud access security brokers that are kind of working on the host side to, to provide, you know, 
a way for people to, you know, send traffic to a certain location to be looked at or prevent sensitive files from being downloaded and things like that. So I think the industry is aware that there's a solution. I think the bigger question is, you know, how can we push people to that? So using the endpoint discussion as a, as a good example, how do you get people to want to install an agent on a device knowing that it's essentially going to violate their privacy? Can you? I mean, do we have to follow that that line of thinking of if this is your corporate device, then you will only do corporate things on it and you are subject to search at any time? I think I think maybe so, right? I mean, I hate to think that the the answer to this is to go back to people carrying two Blackberries again, uh, where they've got their personal phone and, and their work phone, um, which I mean, but it's still, it's still the case for a lot of folks who have security clearances and things. Uh, and so, you know, if, if the company provides you with a laptop, that's a company laptop. And I think we, you know, that maybe should be more clear. Now, I don't know that we have to totally roll back BYOD, but if we make it clear that this is what's going to happen, then maybe people will opt to have a company device instead of their own device um, and allow that. So, so maybe, yeah, maybe yes, Tom. I think maybe the, the better solution there, Christopher, is that we never want anybody to carry a BlackBerry alone, let alone two of them. But, you know, what can you do? You know, Peter, you held up your phones. I think you already kind of live this life. You have a, a public phone and a private phone. You know, is that the solution? Is that we kind of have to do device segmentation now? Uh, partially, but it's also a matter of choice. I decided that my company-issued phone, um, there's mobile device management on it, but it has different settings than my personal phone. I'm using mobile device management too. But I want to have control on my iPhone and not that somebody else is doing a remote wipe because somebody made a mistake and I lose all my data. So I live with two phones on purpose. And in more security-aware environments, I know that uh, the security guys use two laptops, one for the normal work and one to do their IT management. And, and that's normal accepted behavior. But going back into encryption is ruining network security and the privacy aspect. Uh, I fully agree with Chris that privacy is a right and we need to be careful with that. And yes, it will be misused by bad actors and we need to find a, con it's, a it's a continuous battle. The, these guys are getting so experienced and so advanced. It's, it's a normal living. They actually have normal work days with regular builds. And they have a separate team working two time zones further to actually do the testing. And sometimes they do overwork for to, to get that new release out. And they will use the same technology that we do for to use our privacy. So I still think encryption is actually ruining network secu security alone. And you need to have extra value using endpoints, using a proxy to actually get more information on what's happening. You can still do end-to-end -end with a proxy but at least you know to what server it's communicating. So perhaps we need to go back to the proxies. Not a bad idea. Jasper, any final thoughts here? Um, yeah, I think uh, uh, Peter got the point. I mean, um, we need to keep fighting for privacy um, because it always turns out bad if we don't. Um, also in Germany, the, the government tries to get more data on the on the uh, people in the country than we want them to. Uh, it's a constant battle and uh, not as hard as in the US probably because it's, I mean, Europe is a little bit uh, more cautious on that kind of thing. I think what we will end up with is um, we need to protect the um, privacy of people and carefully balance our tools in a way that we can um, protect 
the networks um, without being too intrusive, but with also without not seeing enough anymore. So it's it's like a really balancing act that we have to do, and that is where the um, greater experience um, people bring with themselves um, is the advantage. So I think new people in this field will be at a disadvantage compared to those who have um, seen it all and tried it all before and um, try to find the right way of doing this. I think that's probably a good place to wrap up is that we're always going to be fighting these battles between privacy and you know openness, between security and insecurity. And we have to recognize that whatever we put in place to make ourselves more secure and more private is something that can be used for bad. I, I always go back to the the whole idea of the, you know, the VCR is the end of the movie business because if people can just record whatever they want, then that will be the end of it. Well, except it actually opened up an entirely different market for people and in a new way of producing movies. And yeah, people still recorded things that they shouldn't have, but you know, think about how many people you know that have a VCR today compared to the way that it was 30 years ago. We've transformed the industry so much that even the ideas of the tools that we used to use to get around things are antiquated. So where we will be on this conversation in five years, who knows? I mean, we may find ourselves using a new protocol that's faster and better and a little bit more secure, but ultimately security is constantly gonna be playing catch up and maybe we ruined the security that we had but it doesn't necessarily mean that the security that we have tomorrow isn't gonna be quite effective. Well, that'll just about do it for this episode of the On-Premise IT Roundtable. I wanna thank everyone on the panel for joining us today. If you wanna find more great episodes of this podcast, head over to our website, gestaltit.com slash podcast. The latest episode's always gonna be there. You can also subscribe in your favorite podcast application of choice. You can use Stitcher or Overcast or even iTunes. And if you happen to be in iTunes, why don't you leave us a rating and maybe a comment or a review of the podcast if you like it. Uh, that always helps us find new viewers. Uh, listeners, people that want to follow along with what we're doing. And that just means that the bigger audience means more great premises to discuss. So for myself, Tom Hollingsworth, for our great guests, and for all of the folks at Gestalt IT, thank you very much for listening and stay tuned for more great content headed your way. And we're done. All right.